Welcome to New Covenant Church. You're listening to the series Walking by the Spirit by Teaching Pastor Daryl Feimster. I want to say a special thanks for coming. This has been good for me, and I've enjoyed the time, and I appreciate you guys coming and being a part of it. Where this is the fourth of a four-part. That means tonight's the night. Uh, we've been teaching on, yeah, we have some extra Bibles if you need a Bible. Uh, we've been teaching on walking by the Spirit, uh, and hopefully you've learned some things. Uh, I could ask you, last week we talked about Spirit leading with, with the gifts. We specifically talked about tongues because that's the one gift of the Holy Spirit that is spiritual. What I mean, it, it requires it to be spiritual. And what our hope was is that you would see that all the spiritual gifts are required to be spiritual. But sometimes we think we can handle them. So we're still talking about the difference between soul and spirit. Uh, today, tonight we want to talk about the witness of the Holy Spirit. And uh, there's two parts to this. <clears throat> His witness to you and then His witness through you. And so before we get through tonight, hopefully you're going to be encouraged and, and feel inspired to uh, let the Holy Spirit lead you in testifying of becoming the witness He wants you to be. Because we're going to be talking about your story and His story tonight also. But first of all, uh, I want you to turn in your Bible, if you have it, to Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8. Kind of a summary... God created us in His image, spirit, soul, and body. Now, most of my life, I always said body, soul, and spirit, and I was backwards. God created us to to live inside out. When mankind sinned, we died spiritually. We didn't cease to be spiritual, but that part of us that was created to accommodate and relate to God was separated from His life. We literally lost life, which was God's quality of relational life. So we started, mankind, Adam and Eve, started to live backwards. They started to live by their body. They saw that they were naked and were ashamed by their soul and then finally by the Spirit. When we were born again, we were born from above in our spirit. The Spirit of God, Jesus, the Holy Spirit, makes us alive in Him. And we're made one Spirit with God. We don't become God, but God takes us into relation with Himself and lives in us by His Spirit. This is a work of God in us before it is evident through us. Okay? What I want you to see, this is a work of God. Sometimes we want to feel it, we want to sense it, we want to live it in our soul. And I want you to understand, it starts in your spirit. You're born again first in your spirit. And then you discover how it becomes evidential through your soul and through your body. And that's why tonight I think it's going to be very special because we're going to talk about how the Spirit witnesses or testifies with your spirit. How the two work together. In Romans chapter 8, I believe, uh, but let let me not get too far. We have to choose to walk by the Spirit. 
I believe we will spend the rest of our lives discovering what we got when we were made alive in Christ. The will that's in our soul, the will is the place of choice, is the vehicle whereby we check our feelings and perceptions with the Holy Spirit before acting on them, before responding. So what, I'm, what I've been trying to do through these four weeks is to make you see that you have the opportunity to live from your spirit, through your mind, thinking, your emotions, through the expression of your body. And God, to me, that's walking by the Spirit. So tonight, what we want to talk about is the witness of the Spirit. And there's two things. First of all, in Romans chapter 8, I'm going to begin reading in verse 14. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons, these are sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. The Spirit Himself, and this is the key verse, verse 16, the Spirit Himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ, if indeed we suffer with Him, that we may also be glorified together. Romans 8.16 in the Amplified says this, The Spirit Himself, Thus testifies together with our spirit, assuring us that we are children of God. In my study, in I really believe that Romans 8 is probably one of the most complete texts on the ministry of the Holy Spirit in the believer's life. It is so complete from verse 1 to the end of the chapter. Uh, and so... Anytime you want to know what the Holy Spirit is trying to do, you can go to Romans chapter 8 and you can see it from the beginning to end because it ends up incredible. That what the assurance. First thing I want to talk to you about is the Holy Spirit's witness to you. So what I want to talk is about the assurance the Holy Spirit gives you that you're a child of God. How many of you have ever doubted? Guess where you doubt it? You don't doubt it in your spirit. You doubt it in your flesh and in your soul. If you looked at all of our behavior, we might have a lot of evidence to doubt it. But remember, this is a work of God. So when you leave tonight, what I I want more than anything else is that you will have a witness of the Holy Spirit and you walk out assured that you're a child of God. Because here's the thing I've discovered. A lot of times, it's hard to tell other people about Jesus when you're not sure of Him yourself. It's hard to convince somebody else to come trust Jesus when you're doubting you trust Jesus. So what do we talk about? What the Holy Spirit does before He's inviting you to testify to others is He testifies to you. And there's a key word here. Notice it doesn't say that He testifies with your mind. He testifies with your thinking. It says He, the Spirit Himself, bears witness with our spirit. You're going to know the you're going to know the Spirit's witness in your spirit before you know it anywhere else. Okay, and this is key because I want you to understand most of us work from the soul in instead of the spirit out. And so when, when 
How many of you have ever, the Holy Spirit is just telling you how much you're loved and how good you are, and you come up and say, yeah, but. Because immediately you begin to look at your behavior, you begin to look at your attitudes, you begin to look at your actions, and you begin to think, and the accuser brother of the brethren helps you. Helps you out big time. He will talk to your mind and tell you that can't be true, no matter what the witness of the Spirit is. I'm here to tell you that the Spirit testifies, witnesses to your spirit that you're children of God. Alright, so we're talking about assurance. How do you know you're a believer, a child of God, saved, delivered, walking by the Spirit? The Holy Spirit Himself. Now, King James says itself, okay? But the reason it does, the reason it translates it, uh, because the word pneuma is neutral. It has no gender to it. And so King James interpreted it to mean that the Holy Spirit had no gender. And so it says itself. But if you look at other translations, and most of them, and most of uh, theologians agree, it's the Holy Spirit Himself. That part of God's, God, of the Godhead, that is equal with God, equal with Jesus, and is the one who is at work in the earth today. So, His witness, there is this inner witness with your spirit, not your head, not your emotions, or not your memory. It's the Spirit's witness. It's the Spirit testifying to you. The Holy Spirit testifying to your spirit. The reason this is important is because you'll argue yourself out of it. Or you will say that's impossible. There's three ways that I believe this passage teaches us of how he witnesses to our spirit, how he does it, okay? And uh, the reason I want to do it is because I want you to recognize it spiritually. First of all, it's in that uh, verse um, 14, no, 15, excuse me, verse 15. And here's the thing, let me read verse 14 again with my uh, liberty, For as many as are walking by the Spirit of God, these are the the sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear. In other words, God's not wanting to boss you around and make you live according to some other. But you received the spirit of adoption. God's not wanting to be your commander. He's wanting to be your lover. He's wanting to be your father. Does that make sense? A lot of times what we tend to do is we make God the old God the Father, (laughs) the Godfather that's going to rule over you with a heavy hand, with a thumb, you know, keeps his thumb on you, make sure. And if you step out of line, he's, you know, that's not biblically God. Now, God handles sin. I'm not saying he's easy on sin. God hates sin. God judges sin. That's why we need a Savior. But the reality is, God doesn't enjoy the death or the judgment of people who have rejected Him. 1 Peter, is it 2 Peter? 2 Peter 3.9 says, God's not willing that any should perish. 
His desire is that none. Now, I say all that to say because you've got to understand that sometimes we approach these things and say, well, if I'm not behaving right, God's going to get me. Well, let me tell you, yes, he's going to get you, but he's going to get you to help you. He's not going to get you. When I say get you, I'm thinking, you know, he's going to discipline, and we think discipline, he's going to beat you with a wet noodle, you know, whatever. I don't know. The the whole point I'm trying to get across to you is that the Father is testifying to you who he is and who you are to him. And this is the the tenderness that I want you to see because the key word, the first way that I believe that he witnesses is is found that we received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. Abba is an intimate term. You could say it, Daddy, God. Father. It was a very intimate term. And this cry out is not... Here's the thing. It's not that you say, Abba, Father. You can, you can train a computer to say, Abba, Father. It's not that you confess, Abba, Father. It's you cry out. And that word is very special because the word is to cry out for mercy, to cry aloud, that you, are, you can approach Him. You're turning your face toward Him. The first witness of the Holy Spirit is you turn to God and not to yourself. You cry out, Abba, Father. There's a deep, real, authentic, expectant looking to God as a Father who is tender and strong and kind, who meets our needs and takes away our fears and is the source of our, our source of life to us for our journey. It's it's inside where there's this sweet, humble love for the Father. It's not a voice whispering in your ear, but a life work in your heart producing a humble cry, a turning of your attention from yourself to Him. One of the first things that you realize when the Holy Spirit's witnessing to your spirit is you're interested in Him instead of yourself. The Holy Spirit's witness is it turns your attention to God, to the, to the Father. And here's why, you know, you know, how many of you, something happens and you say, oh, God. And it's not a curse word. It's, oh, God. Help. I want you to hear me. The, the Holy Spirit does not witness to your behavior. It doesn't have anything to do with your behavior. It has everything to do with your spirit. So he witnesses to your spirit and he, he, he testifies in such a way that you turn your spirit to the Father and you cry out, Abba, Father, Daddy, God. Yes, I'm not. It's not talking about that your behavior hadn't been lame and, and everything. It's not even talking. The spirit is witnessing to who you are, not what you've done. Because here's the thing, I've discovered something. You won't change what you do until you change who you are. You do what you do because you are who you, you understand what I'm saying? So the Holy Spirit is out to change you from the inside that will ultimately be expressed as you respond to Him through the outside. But we tend to judge ourselves immediately by what's going on out here. 
and then have this mental problem with ourselves until we are just in a state of depression about how could God put up with me. And it's the opposite of what the Spirit's doing. The Spirit, it says, He Himself is bearing witness with our spirit that we are children of God. We're adopted. Adopted. That's a legal term. Had nothing to do with worth. The Roman adoption is more secure than a birth child. It was more legally binding. If a Roman adopted you, you got all the inheritance. And it was legally binding because even more than their own flesh and blood. Because that's how it looked at adopted. And this is in the book of Romans. Paul knew exactly what they would understand. It had nothing to do with your behavior. It had to do with the work of the one who adopted you. So the first way is there is this turning of your attention from yourself to God where you cry out. The second is found in verse 13. I didn't read that, but we can look at it. Verse 13. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if you, if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. Notice, by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body. Now listen to me. Not by the willpower. By the Spirit. And that's a capital S in my Bible. In other words, the Spirit's at work in me. Here's the second thing that I want to say to you. The Spirit testifies of you, of your changed life, of witnesses to your spirit, because there is this loathing or hatred for sin that separates and alienates you from the walk of God. How many of you wish you didn't do that? Wish you hadn't said that? Wish you didn't have that attitude? Well, why would you even think that unless the Holy Spirit is doing something in you? You see, there's a lot of people that don't have any qualms about it. It's your fault. The reason, you know, abuse was just talking about abuse. Well, they they made me mad. Then all of a sudden, it's not their problem. It's It's everybody else's. Well, when you are led by the Spirit, the Spirit leads you into a realization and an understanding. Literally, I think a loathing. I hate what sometimes my words and my attitudes do, not only to my relationship with God, but my relationships with people. Or my attitudes. Well, I'm going to tell you that that's not human nature. That's the Spirit of God. The second witness is how do you feel about sin? We say, well, if you look at my behavior, I'm not looking at your behavior. I'm not listening. I'm not even looking at your emotions. In your heart, how do you... How does it make you respond? How does it, you know, to me there is a loathing of that which would separate me from the one who loves me. I hate what 
Not only it does between, it does to me. You know, I think the reason God hates sin is because it destroys you. You do know that sin has never affected God. Sin affects us. People say, why would God kill all? I think sometimes God, God has to judge sin to keep it from destroying everybody. We have a measles epidemic right now, right? Just going around, had more cases of, you know. Why? Well, they say, well, because most of them haven't, haven't been vaccinated. All that. That's not even getting that debate. But I'm just telling you, what you've got to do is you've got to take care of this disease in order to take care of the population. If you understand that God sometimes judges things or deals with things in order to save us all, not just to be hard. So is there a, the witness is the loathing, and I use that word because hatred seems to be uh, like you've got a, 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 a violence to it. Now, I do believe that I'd like to get violent with my sins sometimes. But the Holy Spirit is there just to point it out and to let me realize I am different. My heart has been changed. What I used to could get by with, I don't get by with anymore. What I used to could say, I can't say anymore. Why? Because the witness of the Holy Spirit with my spirit is changing me. Okay, so the cry out, I turn my heart toward God. The second thing is, I turn my heart away from sin. I'm not saying you would be sinless, but I can guarantee you by the Holy Spirit's work, you will sin less. Okay, the third witness of the Spirit is found in verse 17. That we are heirs, joint heirs, If children then heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ, if indeed you suffer with him, then you will also be glorified with him. I'm putting a big term on this, but I want you to know this is how real it is. There is this living union between you and Christ. Joint heir doesn't mean I'm going to get the same thing Christ gets in the end. Joint heir means that I share the very life of Christ now and will forever. Okay, union means shared life. Shared life. And the way that the Holy Spirit testifies to us, that heir and joint heir, we're children, but not only children, but we literally are heirs. Not just heirs, but we're joint heirs. We're sharing the same, and the key word there is Christ. It didn't say Jesus, it said Christ. In other words, the provision of God for our salvation and for our saving ultimately is in Christ. The Holy Spirit says when He comes, He's going to testify of Christ. The Spirit gives you a spirit witness in your spirit of the absolute reality of Jesus Christ, not just Him crucified, but Him resurrected and Him raised, and Him alive and glorified in you. The glorified Christ lives in you. And Paul says this is the secret, the mystery that has been hidden through the ages. 
that the same Christ that died for you lives in you. You literally share in the very life of Jesus Christ. You're not Christ. You're not God. But in such a way, God has so pulled you into who He is in this life that He is is supplying everything in you that will last for eternity. This, it just... My daddy said, it just don't get no better than this. It's the witness of my assurance that not only did Jesus die for me, He has redeemed me. He has transformed me. He has come to be in me and enable me everything He expects of me. And all I've got to do is believe Him. And as I believe Him, and it starts to work through, and Scripture begins to confirm it, I begin to read the Word, and the Word, it just stands out. It stands out. And, and he, he begins to teach me. And I begin to live out of that assurance of my spirit. Through my soul, I feel good about it. My, my emotions begin to change because it's lining up with my spirit. My thinking begins to change. I know... I. Boy, these old thoughts have been replaced with new thoughts as I study the Scripture. Uh, the Spirit just continues to testify to my spirit. And as I respond to it and act on it, pretty soon I'm going to be walking it out without even realizing because it's so real to me. That why would I do anything else? Why would I come on a Wednesday night when I could be watching Survivor. <laughs> because there's a work of God that's doing. So here's what we've been talking to him now. It's the Holy Spirit himself witnessing, bearing witness, testifying with my spirit that I'm really a child of God. Now, if I could get that excited about being a child of God, here's one thing I know. When you get excited about something, you're going to tell somebody. Right? You're going to tell somebody. But here's the thing I've discovered about us Christians. We invite them to church. (laughs) The Spirit testifies us that we're children of God. But isn't it amazing that I got an idea that the Spirit wants to testify through us how they can be children of God. And so not only is the Holy Spirit testifying to my spirit, He also wants me to get to the place that He testifies through me. Okay? Now we're going to spend the next 30 minutes on His witness through you. The old Bible, the old church word is your testimony. Your testimony. Okay? Let's look back at Romans 8. I'm going to read this from the message translation. I want you to notice the difference between the way Eugene Peterson translates those words and the way we tend to read them. When we read, see, when I read those that are led by the Spirit of God, uh, they are sons of God. I, I don't see sons of God. I see led by the Spirit. And I have a problem with, am I being led by, I began to question, am I really being led by the Spirit? 
it'd be great to know I was a son of God, but am I being, and I, so I see it all from a kind of the negative side of it. In other words, when I read those verses, I tend to take what I'm not doing, and that disqualifies the very thing that the Holy Spirit's trying to testify to me. So I'm taking it through my soul and interpreting it rather than letting the Spirit testify of it. I want you to listen to Eugene Peterson in the message translation. The same verses we read a while ago. Just listen to them. God's Spirit beckons. There are things to do and places to go. Verse 15. This resurrection life you receive from God is not a timid, grave-tending life. It's adventurously expected. Greeting God with a childlike, what's next, Papa? God's Spirit touches our spirit and confirms who we really are. We know who He is, and we know who we are, father and children. And we know we're going to get what's coming to us, an unbelievable inheritance. We go through exactly what Christ goes through, and if we go through the hard times with Him, then we're certainly going to go through the good times with Him. Is that different for y'all? The Spirit is beckoning us. I love this. <laughs> There's things to do and places to go. And people to see. <laughs> <laughs> this resurrection life you received is not a timid, grave-tending life. It's not a sin-tending life. Hear that. This life that I've got in Jesus is not just to deal with my sin. It's to deal with my future. He paid for my sin. As far as the east is from the west, He's removed it from me. You see, here's the thing. When we live out of our soul, we tend to try to manage our sin. When we live by our spirit, we tend to try to manage our walk. I don't know about you, but I would rather deal with my walk in the future than my sin of my past. Okay. So, let's talk about what's next, Papa. What's next? Abba, Father. What's next, Papa? Different attitude, isn't it? You don't walk by the Spirit to gratify your flesh. Big, big statement. Most if we're not careful, our soul will convince us if you're really walking by the Spirit, you can just pray and you can do these things. And, and, and if you're not careful, you will let what you are saying as a spiritual walk become a gratification of my own flesh. I want to walk in power. Well, I want to walk in power, but I want to walk in His power. Right? I want to see what God can do. I don't want to just know what I can do. Okay, so I'm, I'm playing on words there, but I want you to hear that. Because a lot of times, why do we want the gifts of the Spirit? Pride. <laughs> a lot of times, it's pride. Now, where's pride coming from? It's not coming from the Spirit. Pride's coming from the soul. Okay? You become a witness of the reality of the life-changing work of the Lord Jesus Christ. How many of you have ever heard of the Great Commission? It's in Matthew 28, 19, and 20. Here's my, my way of saying it. As you're going, as you're walking by the Spirit, as you're going 
through life, make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, teaching them to do everything I've commanded you. Now, here's the thing. Most of the times, we hear command, and we think, thou shalt not kill, thou shalt not, you know, thou shalt not, thou shalt not, thou shalt not. Jesus said, teach them what I have commanded you. Does anybody know what Jesus commanded? I give you a new commandment. Love one another as I have loved you. All the law is fulfilled in that. God first, the neighbor in the same manner. Now, why is it so hard for us, and I, you don't have to answer this, but I just want to ask you to ask yourself, why don't we allow the Holy Spirit to witness through us? First thing is assurance. How can I tell others when I'm not sure myself? And here's the other thing. What would I tell them? And who would I tell? And what if they said they wanted to follow Jesus? What would I tell them then? You follow me? So how does the Holy Spirit... So what we're going to talk about over the next 20 minutes is we're going to talk about two things. Your story and His story. Your story. How do you tell others... How does the Holy Spirit lead you to tell others to testify, to be a witness? How does He want to witness through you? Let me tell you, I believe the first thing that you can do and the first thing that nobody can refute is your story. They can say it's not true, but you know it is. They can say, uh, I don't believe it, doesn't matter. It's my experience. It's my story. And what I want you to understand is that if you will prepare your story, if you'll practice it, if you'll pray for open hearts to those who would hear it, the Holy Spirit will literally guide you into places that you will be able to tell your story and He will work the works of transformation. And it doesn't have to be smart. It doesn't have to be glorious if we would say Paul says I didn't come to you with enticing words and I didn't come with persuasive words but I came to you in demonstration and power of the spirit now most of the time when we see demonstration and power we think of big miracles the biggest miracle is a life transformed by the blood of Jesus Christ you are God's miracles When you tell your story, you're telling the miracle story. Right? Well, my story doesn't mean... It's your story. How much much did it take to save you? All the blood of Jesus. You were worth more to God than the life of His Son. That's how important your story is. It's your story. You were born again. He picked 
picked you up out of the mud, cleaned you up, and set you as a son. And he's testifying, that's my boy. That's my daughter. Why would we sell ourselves short when the blood of Jesus is what was paid for us? It's my story. He said, well, I didn't have great sins. Good. You got a good story. So let's talk about how to prepare your story. How do you tell your story? What is my story? Uh, I think Theron did this with the youth on Wednesday night. And he talked about, hey, go up and tell somebody or go up and ask them. And and the kids were saying, well, we don't know. And I'm thinking, no, neither do the adults. (laughs) Because here's the thing. We've got to where the professionals are the ones who tell the story. And so we will invite you to church. Let me tell you the most powerful witness in your neighborhood is not a preacher. It's you. The most powerful witness in your family is not a Sunday school teacher. It's not a youth director. It's you. Your story has the power of God and the witness of the Spirit on it. Your story. I'm trying to whip you up. Can you tell? <laughs> I want you to understand how much I value your story because it's yours. And I want, here's what I want you to hear. I know the price that was paid for you. You don't have anything to feel second to. You're a firstborn, a joint heir. You share the very life of Jesus Christ. So, Let's let's discover how to tell our story. Here's number one story. Here's three things, just real quick. And I started to have a whiteboard in here to do it. Three things. I'm going to give you all my notes when we're done. Okay? So you'll have my notes. Exactly what I'm reading from. Your story. Number one. What was your life like apart from Christ? Marissa, you you had sent me an email about testifying, ministering to, to others when sometimes it's not the, the easy thing to do. Sometimes you could get in trouble testifying and stuff. Your story is legal. Your story is legal. I can tell my story to anybody. They may not like it, but I didn't, I didn't tell them anything but my story. The work that God has done in my life is my story. And I can tell you that I believe that He can do it in your life. That's my story. Okay? You follow what I'm saying there? The whole point I'm trying to say is sometimes we think, well, I can't testify or I can't witness. Maybe you can't pull out the Bible and read the verses to them. But what you can do is you can tell them your story because they're going to come to you with questions. We'll talk about who do I tell in a minute, but People, when they open the door, you have a story. That is what the Holy Spirit is on. Okay? He's on you. He's live in you. He's living through you. Prepare your story. Number one, and I'm not saying you're going to have to follow the leadership of the Lord. Follow the Holy Spirit. I'm not saying... Somebody said, well, who do you tell? Well, we just tell everybody. I got an idea that there's times when Paul said, I'm going to this place, and the Holy Spirit stopped him. 
There's other times when he was planning on something else and there was something. The woman at the well just showed up. And Jesus told the story. Now, what story? Okay. How, what's the story? What was your life like apart from Christ? Number two, how did you come to respond to Christ? How did you come? How? And, and I will talk more about it. I'll get you the three questions. What was your life like apart from Christ? How did you come to respond to Christ? Number three, how is your life different now with Christ? Now I'm going to really give you a hard thing. You need to do this and do it in such a way that you can get it down to about three minutes. Because that's about all you've got to tell your story. How many of you like to listen to everybody's story? No? It's okay. Now, I want to show you this in the Scripture. You ready? I want to show you what I'm telling you. Who were you apart from Christ? What was going on in your life apart from Christ? How did I come to Christ? And what's my life been like since it? How many of you have ever heard of Saul of Tarsus? Saul of Tarsus. He was a guy, a Jew, trained. Oh, let's just let him tell us his story. <laughs> Acts chapter 22. Acts 22. Everybody, everybody there? Men and brethren, fathers, hear my defense before you now. And when they heard that he spoke to them in the Hebrew language, they all kept the more silent. Then he said, I am indeed a Jew born in Tarsus of Sicilia and brought up in the city at the feet of Gamaliel, taught according to the strictness of our father's law and was zealous toward God as you all are today. I persecuted this way to the death, binding and delivering into prisons both men and women. Also, the high priest bears me witness, and all the council of the elders, from whom I also received letters to the brethren and went to Damascus to bring in chains, even those who were in Jerusalem, to, who were there to Jerusalem to be punished. Now it happened as I journeyed, came near to Damascus, about noon, suddenly a great light from heaven shone around me, and I fell to the ground, and I heard a voice saying to me, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? I'm going to stop just for time's sake. You all recognize the story? The story happened in Acts chapter 9. Now Paul is now on trial. They're, gonna, they're wanting to get rid of him. They're wanting to start. Who are you? And so he tells them his story. Know what he started with. He started with who he was before Christ. Then he tells about how he came to Christ. And then he goes on down and he tells that God tells him to get out of Jerusalem quickly. Uh, they're, they're not going to receive your testimony. And then he says, verse 21, depart for I will send you far from here to the Gentiles. And now they were all in his story until he mentioned Gentiles. And then they cut off his story. They don't want to hear anymore. Okay. Well, I'm telling you, as you notice what he said, this is who I am. I mean, this is who I was apart from Christ. This is how I met him. And this is what he's done in my life since. Okay? You have that same story. Now you say, well, I've been a Christian a long, long time. Okay? We'll get to that in a minute. He also tells a story to Felix for chapter 26. Chapter 26, uh, Acts 26 Verses 1 through 20. I won't read all of them, but I want you to see how he tells exactly the same way. Acts 26, 
Agrippa says to Paul, you're permitted to speak for yourself. So Paul stretches out his hand, he answers him, and he, he, he starts telling him, you're an expert in all the customs and questions which have to do with the Jews. And so he talks about, verse 5, he was according to the strictest sect of our religion, I lived a Pharisee. And it goes on down, and then in verse 14, he begins to tell how he came to Christ. And then he goes to feel the king Agrippa. He said, I wasn't disobedient. He, he was sent to the Gentiles to open their eyes and turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins and an inheritance among those who are sanctified by faith in me. This is who I was. I came to Christ. This is where I, how my life is now. Okay? You're getting the point, okay? Uh, <laughs> later on, uh, you go over to Paul, say, okay, I didn't have a great, all this stuff. stuff. You can also tell you what God's doing in your life right now. This is a situation I found myself in. I can say that, even in, as a pastor. I came to the place in my life that I, that I was trying to trust my performance to make me right with God. And I was trying to make, and I thought if I wasn't, if people wasn't walking now, that I was a failure. And I couldn't get over it. I got to the place where I was wanting to quit everything and to walk away from it. But God allowed us to go to a place. And, and here's the other thing about telling your story. Don't use names. Because you're not going to attract somebody to pastor so-and-so. Or this. You're, you're wanting to, to show them about Jesus. You want to tell them about Jesus. So you can say a pastor talked to me or I saw on television this and it made me, it woke me up to the reality of my condition. And I pray and I ask Jesus and he has transformed me. He showed me who he had made me and it changed everything. Now I don't preach from a place of performance. I preach from a place of right standing with God because he has made me right. I've told you my story, and I was and he can make you right. Very situation you're going through, he can transform it. That's why he came. The Apostle Paul did the same thing. We hear him telling his story about his conversion, but in uh, uh, Galatians chapter 1, verses 10 through 19, he's telling the Gentiles, his story, and only this time he's telling his story of how he didn't go to the Jews to get their information. What he was preaching came by revelation from God. He didn't receive it of man. He came, and now this is what he's preaching because of what Christ has done in his life. First Corinthians chapter fifteen. The Apostle Paul says, I'm going to tell you what I was delivered to me, and he tells them the gospel of Jesus Christ. Okay? So Write your story, and, and it'd be great if we could just break it up and write our stories. Because I'm going to tell you, it's not going to take you long. And here's the thing I want you to know. Ask the Holy Spirit to guide you to prepare your story. Okay, tell me back. What, how, what, what are the three parts of your story? Before Christ, how you came to Christ, after Christ. <laughs> B.C. 
Okay? The whole point I'm trying to say here is, now here's the other thing. Write it down and read it out loud. Read it out loud until it becomes real to you. Write it down, read it out loud, practice it. Practice it. Memorize it. Why? Because you want to be able to give it at the moment. The opportunity. Alright? You may write two or three stories because surely you have more than one story. (laughs) And it depends on what person you're talking to. You may be talking to someone that already knows Jesus but doesn't know who they are in Christ. You know a story. You may be talking to someone that has no idea. They say they believe in God, but it's obvious that they don't know this God they say they believe in. You may have a story that you can say to you have a story that you can deliver to them. The other thing is, tell it to somebody you're close to to let them help. Is it clear? Is it concise? Help me say it in a way that gives witness to Jesus. Follow me? Okay. Now here's the thing I know about adults. We say we will do it. (laughs) I'm going to ask the Holy Spirit not to let you go (laughs) until you have at least written your story. What was your life like before you came to Christ? How did you come to Christ? Have you ever stopped to think about what it took to for you to come to Christ? Have you? Do you really understand how different you are from what you were? That's the work of God. It's not perfection. It's transformation. He's still working on me. All right? Now, you have multiple stories, but I wanted to There's most people need to hear how God changes lives. All right? Now, what do you do if they tell you, I want to receive Jesus? Can you tell me how? Can you tell me his story? His story. What's it mean? What's the gospel? What's the good news? I want to simplify it for you. There's four things, because our time's about out. Four things. In fact, 1 Corinthians 15, 3 and 4, will tell you a real simple, where Paul says that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures. He was buried. He was raised according to the Scriptures. That's the thing, but... The, the scriptures are in the notes, and I'm going to give you. I can, if you want me to say them out loud, I will. But you can also carry the notes. Okay. A lot of you have been trained in evangelism. Okay. You've been trained about scripture. What I'm, what I really want to invite you to do is keep four subjects in front of your mind when you think about the gospel. Number one, the sin problem. The sin problem. God created us. He created everything. This is his world, not ours. He's the one that makes the rules. If you break his rules, it doesn't matter if you don't if you don't like his rules. You understand? What I mean? His rules are about life. And, and sin is about death. Now, you can say Romans 
3.23, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Well, I don't, I don't believe God. Well, usually the people that you're telling your story, if they're wanting to know how their life can be changed, they will listen to your description of God. For God so loved the world. The second thing was, is how God solved the problem. First one is the problem of sin. The second is Christ's death, burial, and resurrection. God's loving way out. Alright? The sin problem. And let me tell you, God doesn't save you so you'll be good. God saves you so you'll be His and alive. And live forever. Biggest salvation that God's did in my life is He saved me from me. Uh, sin problem Christ's death, burial, resurrection how God solves the problem number four, three is the response of man you could say repentance okay most people in our day doesn't have a clue what repentance is right in other words here's what repentance is it's a change of way I think about God because he changed the way he was thinking about me Yes, it is a turning away of sin, but let me tell you, you won't turn away from sin until you turn to God. So yes, it is a turning, but it's turning toward God. It's, it's changing your mind about God, changing your mind about trying to justify yourself. It's, it's crying out for help. It's saying, is there an answer? And Jesus is saying, I am the answer. And I say, God, I want your way, not mine. I respond. And number four, share with them God's promise of transformation. If any man be in Christ, he's a new creation. Old things pass away. Everything becomes new. Four points. Okay, let me show you. There's two, three, and four. Two, your story, his story. Three, what was my life like apart from Christ? How did I come to Christ? What's my life been since Christ? Four, the sin problem, God's way out, my response or response of man and God's promises of transformation. Every one of us in this room can remember two, three, four. Now, I'm not saying let's do it mechanical. I'm saying... Let's live from our spirit. Here's the thing I want to say next. Pray. How many of you expect to be able to witness every day? You expect to. You expect somebody just to be waiting for you to tell them your story. You know, most of us think, man, I need to knock them to church. <laughs> I got an idea that God will change everything when we start expecting people to want to hear how their life can be different. So here's what I'm going to invite. Pray for at least five people that God would bring to your mind or bring in your path or bring in the way that would be, He would already be working in, that they would be ready to hear the story. Pray and ask God, well, that scared me to death. Somebody, no, it's not like that. <clears throat> Randy and Sonia doesn't have any trouble telling you about their grandbaby. <laughs> they can describe, they can tell, and they will tell you all the details. 
pictures. Pictures. <laughs> you know, here's the point. What you're excited about, you will share. I want you to pray for other people that you get excited about what could happen in their life if they knew him. I didn't say go to them and shake them. I'm just saying start to pray for them. God, would you put somebody on my heart that, that I could see what would be different if they knew you? And then, if he gives you some faces, pray for them that God would start to work in their lives. I'm not saying about go to them. Not, and here's what I can almost guarantee you. Before long, somebody's going to come in your pathway. And they're going to say, hey, how are you doing? The moment they say, how are you doing? I have a story. <laughs> right? I have a story. I wasn't doing too good. <laughs> But God loved me so much he wouldn't leave me in my not too good. He let me see who he, how much he loved me and he changed my life. And I want to tell you, my life is different. My girls' lives are different. Everything in my life has changed. I don't mean that everything is glorious. I just mean it's good. You know, I've just discovered he can do that for anybody. Can I pray for you? My story. What is this? Let me tell you his story. See, there's the problem of sin in our world today. And God has an answer for it. He loved us so much, he gave his son to die on the cross. And not only that, all it takes is for us to believe him. If we'll just respond to him, he's promised that he will transform us. He will make us a new creation. And old things, everything will be changed. And I can tell you, you'll be a brand new person. But what do I need to do? Do you believe that Jesus is the Son of God? Romans 10, 9. If you believe with your heart that God has raised him from the dead and you confess with your mouth, you'll be saved too. These verses are here. It's not like you have to be a genius to do this. You just have to be expectant and available. And I want to tell you something. God will change your whole world. You let you be the one that shares it and you see the transformation in their life and all of a sudden their miracle has become your miracle. It changes everything. And here's the whole point to it all. You've just walked by the Spirit. Those who are led by the Spirit, these are the sons of God. God is at work in you by His Holy Spirit to both will and to do according to His good pleasure. Philippians 2.13b And here's the way I want to end it. Thank Him on time. You can spend the rest of your life discovering and sharing the wonderful works of God. You get to. You don't have to look at somebody else and look at their Christian life and wonder, would I ever get there? No, I'm walking in my Christian life and I'm sharing in the wonderful works of God. 
Thanks for listening, and join us next week for more Walking by the Spirit with Pastor Daryl Feimster.